The Crimes Ireland podcast is intended for a mature audience. Hello everyone and welcome to The Crimes Ireland podcast, especially those who are new as there has been a very slightly higher jump in terms of listenership over the last two or three episodes and I'm unsure why at the moment but obviously very happy with it. So welcome again and I hope you enjoy listening. If you happen to have any questions, queries or corrections, please send these to crimesireland at gmail.com. Last in the housekeeping list and ever present, please if you can, donate a penny and up to the show via PayPal using the same email. Once again, it's crimesireland at gmail.com. Today's story concerns a murder committed by Daniel Ward in 1863. On the outskirts of Belfast in Northern Ireland, the River Lagan flows out towards the sea, and on the 10th of May 1863, a body was recovered from the cool waters, and this person was soon identified to be Charles Wilger. He had lived a decent bit away from where he was found, but would stay in the area from time to time when he was working. He would sleep at his uncle's, William Wright's. For a while now, Charles had worked locally as a sawyer. This is basically a worker in a mill. Another person employed there was his good friend, Daniel, and both were said to be, quote, well known to each other. Both worked in the same industry, but Ward struggled to get and keep solid work, where Wilger did not have any such trouble. Ward was a married man with one child, and it was reported they absolutely feared the possibility of extreme poverty that their future may hold. On the 10th of May that year, Mr. Wilger's parents were getting more and more worried as they had waited late for their son to return, as he usually did every weekend. Putting it to the back of their minds the best they could, they got ready for bed and eventually fell asleep. When they awoke again in the morning, there was still no sign of Charles. Now they were extremely anxious. Hearing this, a group of men gathered and went directly towards cottage to find out what was going on. Sometime later, and having found nothing essential in the initial search, they focused on one of the pawn shop type establishments close by, finding their clue in a shop in Lisburn. This was a watch, known to be owned by Charles, and it was recovered. It was sold to them for £2, which is about £260 or US dollars today. After some more investigations, the police seemed more confident about the potential perpetrator and arrested Ward, Mrs Ward and his mother on the suspicion of murder. They were all taken and booked into Downpatrick Jail. The following Wednesday, the 14th of May, there were some clues to the death as on a greenway area Along the riverside, there were signs of some disturbance on the bank. Scuff marks and other indications of a struggle, and not far downstream, a few days previous, Charles Wilger's body was found. Near the scuff marks on the river's edge, and sitting on the towpath, a watch key used to wind up the pocket watches of the time was found by searchers, right in the middle of a large drop of blood. Mr Wilger, the victim, had severe injuries to his head, including a fractured skull 
and not including the watch police had already found, they found another watch on his person. Charles's uncle William stated he had given his nephew this on the day he last saw him. It was stopped at 7.15pm. In a second search around the body, they had found a handkerchief in a small body of water and tied around one corner was a fist-sized stone. This was used most likely to weigh it down in the pool. He was aged about 30 at the time of the murder and the handkerchief found was stated by an ex-quote sweetheart that she had given it to him during their time together. At the trial, the crime prosecution said the injury sustained by the victim could not have been caused by the rock tied to the handkerchief and also quote, whoever made such fatal use of it must have set out with murderous intent. At one point a neighbour said they had seen Ward and Wilger turning and going down towards the water. Around 30 minutes later another neighbour spotted Ward walking alone, having greeted him as they passed one another. Many other witnesses had seen them about Lisburn and some other saw at the time he had pawned the watch. During the timeline of the day, these events were what prompted police to arrest Daniel Ward at Downpatrick Jail for quote, willful murder. Later he was taken to Belfast and at the summer Assizes were quote, he was indicted for the crime and a true bill was found against him. True bill, I believe, means that the charges were formalised and made official in the eyes of the court system. Ward in this case would not plead guilty. At the summer Assizes, the counsel for the Crown had applied for a postponement until the spring next year, 1863. Newspapers and other outlets at the time speculated that he may have been acquitted at this first trial. Again, like other parts of this case, the basics of this is said but frustratingly not gone into in any detail. At this trial in 1863, it was presided over by Baron Deasy and ran for three full days. The case made almost daily appearances in national newspapers and was said in them to have almost caused some sort of morbid excitement and fervour in Belfast. Especially around the time of the trial and all throughout. Quote, the crime was of unparalleled atrocity. For myself, this killing was a very cold one, being seemingly over a quote, small sum of money, and then just half lifted and half shoved the victim into the river. Cold, cold stuff. Ward's defenders tried hard to discredit the witnesses against them, but with so many found, this was very difficult, in the least. There was an overwhelming amount of circumstantial evidence, and this had the jury quite convinced. They gave a verdict of guilty, and while this verdict was read aloud, the convicted ward began to shout his protest and innocence. The date of his execution was set for the 8th of April 1863. Daniel Ward then was led away to Belfast prison to await the eventual fate bestowed upon him. Soon after getting there, and several times after he was visited by his minister, Reverend Charles Allen, Ward sat and listened to the clergyman's prayers and readings very closely. Both then read some scriptures up to just an hour before the execution. On Tuesday, the day before, he was visited by his parents, but not his wife, 
as she had divorced him after his conviction. Their child was left by her to Ward's parents. Quote, Ward's mother was inconsolable after this final visit with her son, and his father took a silent The day after this visit, at around 8am, the rain had commenced, as we have heard in many other episodes of the show. But the large crowd gathered there to see the execution did not shift much at all. Then, at 8.17am, Daniel Ward's sentence was carried out scheduled in front of the reported crowd of seven or 8,000 people. Some of them were up in the higher streets up in the hills where you could get a decent view. A lot of others went into the small open spaces free from larger buildings. The remainder went to local greenways and any other open wasteland that they could. Before all this, and earlier that morning, Ward had awoken at an early enough hour and there was no reports of any change in his behaviour in the lead-up to his execution. Reverend Allen then came to him at around 6am and their devotions continued. When it was time to leave his cell, he was led out with the Reverend on his left and the warder on the right. Four other warders were walking along with them, two in front, and two behind the core trio. Following further behind again was a number of officials including the High Sheriff, Hitch Hitch Bottomley and the Prison Governor, and Mr Forbes. Last to come in a huddle behind all of this was a large group of reporters. The leading solemn procession had proceeded along a passage and up some stairs, into a press room where they spent a short time before moving on. In the courtyard, all of them stood, and at 8.10am, the executioner entered. And although he was wearing a black hood mask, he was said to be, quote, eyeing up his victim with the air of a bulldog. He then bound Ward's hands and legs and helped him jump up onto the platform. Daniel took his position over the drop. The execution was said to have taken place in front of the jail and in the presence of reportedly, again reportedly, eight or nine thousand people. A good number of documents were released after the execution, one of which being his confession to the crimes when he gave it to his minister and requested it not to be made public until after his death. Now is a series of quotes taken from the confession document, quoted in some sort of order that's only slightly chronological. All lines are quotes, and for the statement in full, please email me at crimesireland at gmail.com. Quote, In the presence of Almighty God, before whom I must stand, I do make the following confession, and declare every portion of it to be strictly true. On the evening of the 9th of May, I was in Belfast, seeking for employment at any work I could obtain, but I did not succeed. I left Belfast between 4 and 5 o'clock in the evening, and during my walk home, I thought of, as a last remedy, robbing or murdering someone in order to get money. I called at William Wright's to ask him if he could give me a job, for I was idle. So far as murdering Charles Bulger, in particular, had not taken possession in my mind. On the next morning, May the 10th, I went to Belfast. On going, I sat upon a heap of stone and put it into my pocket, a handkerchief, 
I left Belfast between three and four that evening. I went to William Wright's and I waited until Wright and Wilger returned from work. After tea and Wright's, I started with Charles Wilger towards home. I knew he had a watch. We came to a narrow path. He went before me. I took the stone, which was in my handkerchief out of my pocket, and gave him a blow. He fell, but did not speak. He was rising, I think, on his hands and feet. I then gave him a second blow. I took his watch from him and put him in the water. A plunge appeared to revive him, for I saw him swimming across the lagging and I thought he would get out at the other side. I then threw the stone and the handkerchief into the water and went to Lisburn and pawned the watch for two pounds. And on Monday evening, when I heard he was missing, I knew he had drowned. Please, I would insist on looking up or emailing and asking for the full statement as it's very deep and there is about three or four times the amount as what I just read out. Ranging from religious rants to very deep thought about life. That was the case of Charles Wilger murdered at the hands of Daniel Ward. I hope you enjoyed it in a morbid way and thanks for listening. It gives me great relief in some irrational way to finish this episode. If you have any questions or queries at all about the show or just want to say hello or have any corrections, please send them to crimesireland at gmail.com or, and once, once, once again, please consider donating a penny and up to the show via PayPal using the same email. That email is crimesireland at gmail.com. See you all again and goodbye for now.